least now some of the Owls America's goal of the season contest entries will not be from Adam Reach. We'll talk about them here on Owls Americas, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. Once again, I am your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. And you know, when we started recording this pod a year and a half ago now at this point, we usually recorded around 9 p.m. thereabouts, then I got moved back to 9.30. Now we're recording at like 10.15, so I'm drinking water. I'm drinking water out of my 32-ounce collectible Coca-Cola cup from City Field. Uh, featuring Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. I just watched the Mets lose a very bad game, and now I'm going to talk about a pretty good week for Sheffield Wednesday. And to do that with me, back from a holiday, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Um, I am drinking today a whiskey. It's a bullet rye whiskey, and I promised myself a a fair amount for what is now quarter past ten. So um, it's my second glass too, so it could be a very slurry episode, I'm afraid. So watch out. I do approve. I've had this conversation, I think, at the Open with them before, but I do approve of the Bullet Rye. It's a pretty good rye. I'm not as much of a fan of, the, of their bourbon. No, I, I do prefer the rye <coughs> over the bourbon too. I say coughing as I drink some. <laughs> and out on the West Coast, recording this at a fairly normal time, it's Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Unfortunately, it appears Patty's drinking for the three of us, so uh, I am having tea because it's still sunny out and uh, a little early for my drinking, which doesn't explain why I would have been drinking last year at six, but we'll talk about that later. We have an actual agenda this week, which means I can preview said agenda. It was a festive holiday weekend for the Owls with four points from six in two tough little matchups we'll recap those games we'll also have some wednesday news uh probably what's going to be the last injury update of the season since there's only two games left and since there are only two games left we'll have some player of the year chat as well before we get into goal of the year conversations preston this weekend and wow wednesday may be on the beach we will be at bars so we will preview the match and cover the relevant meetups. We will start with Norwich away. No Bannon and Reach. We talked last week about Bannon not possibly being entirely thrilled to be playing uh, when not fully fit. Reach went off last week with an injury. And then Westwood picks up a knock late. Uh, all signs of impending doom, Patty, especially since for some reason Wednesday did not bring a third keeper with them on the bus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, usually you look at that lineup uh, and you start to worry. Um, uh, but as we've seen against um, Forrest uh, the week before, it doesn't really matter who we put out at the moment. Uh, Bruce is getting the best out of everybody. And I think a little bit, there's a little bit of playing for contracts uh, there, I think, uh, in, the, in our performances uh, currently. But I think a lot of credit has to go with the coaching staff that's got this bunch of players playing like they they have, uh, especially with three of our best players. No, no argument there, Bannon, Reach, and Westwood, all out. Um, and we kicked off fantastically. I thought I thought we had a really good go at Norwich, and we came out at the end of it a little bit uh, disappointed to uh, to draw, which was an amazing feeling, really, because we should have won that game. Yeah, and we'll get to how it ended up 2-2 in a little bit. But Mike, even with the goalkeeper injury, really, what are the odds that you would need a second goalkeeper in any given game? No, slim to none. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Um, I mean, first of all, you're not going to get two goalkeepers injured in the same game, let alone one in practice in one of the games. So no, I mean, I'm sure there was a third somewhere. and he could If not, he could have gotten on the highway and gotten down there. Yeah, there's just there's just no scenario that could have seen a, a keeper <laughs> sent off in the first ten minutes, Patty. <laughs> the very nearly was, wasn't there? Um, it really did. Um, I think we were really lucky. Uh, the the rules are if uh, it's an intentional handball outside the eighteen yard box, uh, then it's a red card offence. I, I don't know 
how on earth I think I think what went for us in this decision was it was early in the game. This was the sixtieth minute, seventieth minute, and the game's I don't know, still all to play for, then the referee would probably send Dawson off. The fact it was so early on, I think we got a very lenient call. Uh because he clearly handled it outside the box. It was clearly intentional. Um, and we got a yellow card for it. So we uh, survived. And it wasn't the only controversial call of the evening. Uh, this game kind of had everything in it. It was, it was a fantastic advert for the championship. Um, I say that with a bit like, I don't know, a bit of tongue-in-cheek. People say it's a good advert for the championship. But actually, is it like a a true advert for the championship? Because most of the games we play aren't this good. <laughs> no, this, yeah, yeah. Uh... I got to the Toffee Club maybe three or four minutes after kickoff, and it was all. And they have a good Narge support group there, and um, it was buzzing when I got there. And that's what eleven fifty out here, and it was just. I mean, it was buzzing. People were excited, and I could just tell there was just like a lot of good energy, and it just stayed. This is this. I'm gonna go out on a limb. So this is the most fun we've had watching Wednesday all year in this game. Um, I don't know about you, Patty, how you feel about that, but for me, this was this was as good as it gets. So yes, I do think this was a good advert. Whether or not it's a realistic advert for the championship, I don't know, but this was a great one. So I hope a lot of people, I hope a lot of people got to see this game. I think Stoke nil Wednesday nil was a more accurate representation. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't see the EFL clamoring to show highlights of that one, though. I think probably in relation to the call. I assume the referee was aware that Wednesday only had the one keeper and Dawson kind of slipping at the edge of the area gave him an out for saying it wasn't intentional, is my guess. But also, why isn't Dawson just leathering it out of there? Like, there was yeah, no reason to try get, to... Can we, get, yeah. Yeah, can we get to the bigger question is, what was Dawson thinking? Which, that's what I don't know. Um, again, late, late add to the lineup, but come on, man. That's just, that's just sloppy. It, it, there wasn't even uh, really an attacker that close to him, so there had no real neat reason to come out that far of the box. He could have quite happily left it, and the ball would have come into his hands in the 18-yard box. So, yeah, it was a really poor decision by Dawson. We were very lucky to get that off, but we did. And nothing came from the resulting free kick. And shortly after back the other end, George Boyd scores again. He, he, I think he scored more offside goals this year. Then he has actual goals. <laughs> I think he's had like two or three goals he scored where he's been clearly offside, which um, probably is not all that surprising given his, uh, as noted on this pod, lack of pace at this minute. He needs uh, the extra yard to get in for the uh, for the opportunities when he's not scoring worldies. It was a good finish, though. It was a nice again. finish, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was rightly, rightly ruled offside. Um and it, it, this was kind of like it was the entire first half, right? It was back and forth. So we had uh, the decision uh, that Dawson got off uh, a few minutes before that. Boyd went to the other end and scored a goal. They got rolled offside. Then Hernandez actually broke free. Um, uh, I think it was like two on two pretty much at the other end. And uh, blasted a, a shot right at the bottom left uh, of the goal. And uh, Dawson kind of makes up for his error and stays up with his feet. It was a fantastic uh, save. Um so yeah, I think it was like the entire first half, and we'll we'll go into the goal next. Um, but we had chances. We we didn't look like we were, we were going to like lose this game. We looked like we were well up for a fight. Um, and even when Norwich scored, I, I didn't feel like that was the game over. There was loads of goals in this game. You could tell at that point there's going to be loads of goals. Um, so yeah, the goal itself for Norwich, I think, was well taken. Um, there's way too much space in the build-up to it. The, our full-backs and, and centre-halves didn't seem to push up the field like they do regularly. Uh, I'm not sure what it was about uh, that particular move that um, made them all freeze. Um, but essentially it went to... Uh, what's the guy's name? It's called? I can't remember now. Steplingberg, something like that. Anyway, uh, it was a great, great take. Um, it was something like I, vaguely Dutch or German is all I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good finish. Now, I want to ask you guys... Uh, a lot of people are blaming Dawson for this one. Um, I've got a hot take on it, but what do you think? Do you think it's his fault? I think he could have done better. It wasn't as bad as like the second Man City goal against De Gea from today's game. Like it wasn't like a true howler. I just and this has been sort of a uh, Dawson is a very good uh, shot stopper. He's just his positioning's not always the best you know he doesn't always have the best decision making in terms of you know when to come for balls (laughs) when 
when to you know catch balls outside of his box that kind of stuff um you know he's still young and inexperienced um but again it wasn't that spectacular of a goal if you go back and rewatch it it was just yeah he was was awfully close to him i don't know if he didn't see it yeah it looked like he was just slow to get down for it basically right I don't, I don't think he did see it. That's what I think. Yeah. If I'm being fair, if you look at the, I think there's like three replays after the goal, and I was, I was kind of in most people's, uh, I was in the popular camp at first, which I said Dawson's positioning was off and he should have saved it. It was straight down the center of the goal. Um, but if you look at the camera angle, which is basically looking square on at the goal from the Norwich end, uh, you'll see that there's a defender in between um, the guy who strikes the ball and Cameron Dawson. And he's just kind of caught a little flat-footed, and he doesn't really see where it's coming from. Um, so I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt and say he didn't see it. I think his positioning wasn't great, and he was slow to get down. But I think he just took, got caught by surprise that the guy took it so quickly. So I'm not going to pile on Dawson for that one. Marco Steeperman with the goal if you're keeping track at home. Like I said, Steeperman. Fakely German or Dutch. I don't know if he's actually German <laughs> or Dutch, but... Certainly sounds that. Um, goalkeeper positioning would not have helped Norwich on the ensuing Fernando Forestieri goal, though, Mike. Fantastic. Um, I know we're going to talk about goal this season later on, um, right up there. And it's it's what we wanted to see from, from Forestieri all year. Uh, you know, I watched the replay again, um, getting ready for this. And yeah, there, the, even Pearson was saying he hung on to a little bit too long, thought he had trouble getting rid of it and then, uh, just got enough open space and a, a true howler. So again, hoping lots of people saw this game and, and fantastic. I think he looked a different player in the Norwich game. Um, he looks healthy. About, yeah, it, it, he just looked, it looked fiery. Like he had something to prove, and it, I don't know if it had this in his mind, but for me, it kind of echoed back to the Norwich away last year, which which started the whole. Was it last year? It feels like ages ago, when he refused to travel. Um, it was the beginning of the season last year, wasn't it? That's why it feels so long ago. Um, and it, I felt like that was part of his uh, mentality that made it such a special kind of game for him. It, almost like he was repaying the fans that travelled down to see him last time around and did it. he didn't turn up because he was being petulant like he is sometimes. But he just looked like a, a man possessed the entire game. And uh, But we've seen him do that little kind of turn and hold onto the ball a little too long a lot in the last few games. And I was starting to get a little bit frustrated with him when he was doing it again before he shot. So I was like screaming to him, pass the fucking ball, Fessy. And then but he just rifles one in the top corner. <laughs> it's not bad, though. If you have like the dedicated, you know, a true striker and then you have the guys outside who are going to, you know, do the crosses. And then you just kind of have this wild card that you if if everyone's on board with this and you have this wild card that just goes in there and wreaks havoc. And it's, it's fantastic. It works sometimes. And, you know, if you he he let a bunch rip from outside and uh, a couple of them darn out went in. Well, if he wreaks havoc, I'm all for the wild card and for him to play wherever he wants, which Bruce seems to be given the the reign to do. Right. That's the difference we've seen between Forest area under Bruce versus Forest area under any of the other coaches, really. Uh, Carlos used to play in, in strict positions either on the left, uh, mainly on the left, actually, as a winger. Um, but Bruce seems to be happy for him to play wherever he wants, and uh, that's exactly what he's doing. Quite a lot of the uh, game, he was he was deep in our own half, uh, taking the ball off people and running with the, the ball into the, into second half, into the um, opposition half. Um, so I think he's thriving on that, uh, that that freedom that Bruce has given him. Um, he just just still holds on to it a little bit longer than I'd like him to sometimes. But when he plays like it against Norwich, is unstoppable. Um, he should have had. Two, uh, he could have had three. Uh, the second in the second half, where he, he launched like, like a half volley uh, and um, forced Krull into a fantastic save, and then right before he was taken off uh, again in the second half, he curled it almost into the top corner, and uh, it was just on fire. Everything he touched that night went 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 brilliant. He was just taking the ball, people. He was passing it. He was shooting. If Forest Eric can play that for the whole of the season then he's the tallest man that we need to gain the Premier League. After the goal, Norwich turned the screws a little bit towards the end of the first half, and I think Wednesday would have been happy to, 
to get to the break 1-1, although it's probably fair, uh, given the... <laughs> I mean, you just weren't stopping the Forestieri goal, basically. Uh, I thought Wednesday played much, much better in the second half and really took the game to Norwich, Patty. They did, and that's it was that's what I found so fantastic about it. We're, we're like taking the game to the the league leaders, right? These are the by far and away the best team in the league uh, this season, and they weren't playing poorly by any means. They were playing pretty well, but it was just like trading blows back and forth the entire match. Um, and we started off second half fantastically. Uh, we our heads could have gone down when Hutchinson went off injured, uh, and uh, Jay Plapetti came on, but we just continued. Um, to play this flowing, fast, frenetic football. And like I said earlier on, Forrest had a good chance, uh, which was brilliant saved by Krull. And then it, it, it comes to Fletcher, <laughs> and uh, the goal itself obviously was, was quite controversial. Um, but the build-up play was quite good, and I'm going to give uh, Liam Palmer a, a credit for an assist with, <laughs> with a cross into the box, which um, might be the first cross that's found its target in the entire season for Palmer. Um, but he cuts back onto his right foot, puts into the box. I mean, he got a bit of a lucky bounce and uh, Fletcher bundles it over. Uh, so, question stands. What was the verb? What was the verb, Patty? Bundles. Bundles, bundles it over. Good. Bundles yes. it over. Okay. Yeah. That that doesn't assume any guilt <laughs> or innocence. You could have just said it was a scrappy goal, goal Patty. Yes. <laughs> the the so, word tossed around the toffee club was he shoveled it in. Okay. So. <laughs> Shuffle is a good word, too. Um, I, I, I don't think he meant to do it. I, I'm, I'm going to stick up for his innocence. What do you think? Uh, I think it was a, a KG veteran striker move. Yeah, I, I tweeted out that if, if and Wednesday ends up uh, winning this game, we will see VAR in the championship next season. <laughs> um, of, of both those those two plays. Um, and it's funny because if, if you actually, um, I guess it depends on where you are. I, we were probably outnumbered by Norwich City fans at the Toffee Club. And yeah, just those two plays, we just got a lot of stink eye from, from them about that. So um pretty rough but um, they've got every reason to be aggrieved by that goal yeah. i mean it, it <laughs> yeah. clearly only went in because his hand put it in but i don't think and that, obviously that should should immediately strike the goal off it doesn't matter whether he meant to do it or not his hand bundled it into the goal and um, again had, had it been an i follow game and not an espn game we would have never known <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah i mean from the um, yeah. initial like the initial angle it just kind of looks like i mean it looked scrappy but it looked like he kind of just sort of slid it in essentially, like just sort but of. But it like, kind of stopped, didn't it? On the first, on the first view of it, it, like that shouldn't have gone in. Something must have happened after it looked like it had yeah. been stopped, and that obviously something did happen. He kind of just slowly <laughs> tapped it in with his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you rolled it a little bit. You know, it's, uh... yeah, I, don't, I think it was the momentum. Obviously, you see it in slow yeah. motion, you see replays and stuff. It looks I like he's he just the like, only argument. Yeah, he was just trying to like sort of get up, basically. And right. His the only arm happened to be under the, the ball process, at the time. In, in the process of getting his hand out of the way, um, the ball went in. So after that, Norwich push hard for an equalizer. I thought Wednesday defended incredibly well in the last twenty minutes. They, you know, they were clearly under pressure. Norwich turning the screws, but they were well organized. You know, there was some. Brilliant last-ditch defending when necessary. Some good saves from Dawson. You know they would occasionally create an opportunity on the other side, and we'll get to the free kick. But the moment for me that I think uh, really turned the game was uh, Zhao not taking it to the corner about three and a half minutes into injury time. Patty, I uh, see. I'm always a little bit kind of torn. What when you were. When you are clean, clean through, and you've bustled your way through past a fullback, and you've got quite a good chance to actually get it into the box. I mean, he, he uh, should have squared I, it if he was going to do right. What he, he did a little bit too long. Um, I, I'm, I'm a striker at heart. I, I, I kind of <laughs> wanted him to kill it off. <laughs> so yes, sensible person says go take it in the corner. And, but even then, you got what you're going to like. You're going to save what thirty seconds to a minute. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't. It wasn't like they went down the opposite end straight away and scored. There was the, like kicked out of play once. There was a few backs and forth after that. There's a number of things you can blame for that um, equaliser. I don't think Joao's 
hold-up play is, is one of them, really. Uh, I, I just, I, we scored. Patty, when you say you're a striker at heart, are you like fully in your late career Gary Taylor Fletcher phase now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've moved into goalkeeping already. <laughs> so sure enough, five minutes of stoppage time, five minutes and ten seconds into said time, Norwich get a free kick on the edge of the area, and Mike set the scene at the Toffee Club. Um. Yeah, we were yeah, exactly what you think. People pacing, saying the game should be over. Let's go. I think half of Alice Americas had their tweets already to hit send um, to talk about how great we were beating the uh, league leaders. And um, penalty happens. Free kick goes in. And it, I hate to say, it felt like justice was served. Um, it felt like I, 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 it was a fair result, I think. Um, beautiful kick. Whether or not it was makeup, you know, the install, uh, whatever you want to call the extended uh, time was this, was makeup for some of the earlier calls. I don't know, but um, it, it felt like a fair result. And yes, Topic Club is going crazy. <laughs> I, I felt like it was it was obviously harsh um, at the time. I thought it was a free kick. Looking back, let me tell you, didn't really do much other than collide with the guy. Um, and what, what can you say that Norwich are experts at last minute goals? They've scored like ridiculous amounts of last minute goals uh, this season. And as soon as they got that um, that decision, there was nothing in my mind which said they weren't going to score. I was just like, "Yep, yeah, that's it. We've, we've, we've drawn two two. We've thrown it away." Um, and we went in the top corner. Uh, it's pretty good because I think looking back now at the end of Easter weekend. Those extra two points might have come in pretty handy. <laughs> yeah, that's the funny thing to me is, uh, like, I wasn't... Ma- like, normally Wednesday gives up a 97th minute equalizer, I'm going to be just absolutely steaming. But because they were already kind of sort of out of it, I wasn't uh, as mad as I would have normally been. But then I got mad that they were out of it after the... Villa and Leeds games, and I was mad that I couldn't be madder, and then I was mad about that. So Wednesday still <laughs> made me mad. At least it was a Friday, so it didn't ruin my entire weekend. You have some inception levels of mad yeah, going on there, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about Dawson this one. I gave him some credit. Uh, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, I would say, in the first goal. Uh, I think he is a lot to blame uh, for the second goal. His positioning was, it was too far to the left. Uh, there was a massive space for them, to, for them to aim into, um, the wall didn't help. I'll give him that. Uh, it, only like one person jumped. He should be uh, setting the wall, though. I think the the bigger issue was where the wall was positioned. I think it was both. I think he was wait. I mean, even he had quite a lot of people in the wall, but he shouldn't be that far over to the left. Um, it was just asking to be put into that top corner. Um, and he gave himself no chance at all. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a good free kick. Um, I just think that uh, his positioning could have helped him a little bit more. And regardless, Wednesday drop points late probably puts the final nail in the coffin for their playoff hopes, although they are still mathematically alive, and we will get to the scenario uh, at the end of the Bristol review, which we'll move to now. And, you know, about as uh, good a... a first half performance as the Norwich City second half performance was, Mike. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm glad that Patty in the last, uh, talking about Forest Theory being, feeling like a man possessed. I really felt in both these games, everyone just looked hungry, and it's really refreshing to see that. And again, whether or not they're playing for contracts, or they just everyone's healthy or what, but they just seem like, um, you know, I saw that Bannon and Reach were back, and I mean, again, we, we'll talk about Bannon extensively in this um, review, but he was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, the players just looked, looked like they were hungry to, to make something happen. It was a lot of fun. It was a great first half, wasn't it? It was, it was uh, I thought, probably one of the best halves I've seen them play. Um, probably one of the best complete games I've seen them play. I know there wasn't a lot of action in the second half, but just the way we kept the ball the entire 90 minutes was a joy to watch. It's it's fantastic to see his team playing with the confidence that they have 
<laughs> it's a shame that there's nothing to play for anymore, pretty much. Um, but it's just wonderful to see. And Bannon, again, shows why he's picked week in, week out when he's fit, because that goal, he doesn't score a lot of them. Um, and that's not part of the way reason why we love him. But every now and again, once, twice a season, he'll score a goal like that. Um, and it was it was just as good as Forestier is, but maybe a little bit slightly different because it was more of a curler kind of play shot, whereas Forestier just lashed it. Um, but I was just so happy he's got a goal because it's so hard to see him spoon it over the net. We can week out usually. <laughs> and uh, he was in his more familiar role later in that half, providing an absolute wonder ball for Lucas Zhao. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, what we take away from Zhao from the, the previous game, maybe being disappointed with his run in there. But yeah, here, um, just to see the aerial of the game and to see him flick it over. Um, I don't know, if, did he actually get credit for I, There was discussion if that was an own goal or a deflection, but I'm assuming Zhao got credit for the goal. Um, yeah. A little bit yeah. chaotic, but yeah, nonetheless, his athleticism really does show there, um, which is why I think he's really underrated and we need, should hang on to him. He got that's his tenth goal of the season. Um, it's weird because Fletcher's got ten, I think, two now, right? Um, because we got players like two, when was the last time two of our strikers got ten goals? It's, it seems like a long time ago, um, and we've had such different kind of combinations up front, especially in the last fifteen or so games, as Bruce gets new players back fit and tries out different combinations. Hooper and Joao, I thought, worked out really well together. Um, Hooper's touch um, on quite a few of the moves, again, it's always a joy to behold. But seeing like Joao benefit from that and some of his touches as well and his skill on the ball, it was just great to watch. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was really nice seeing us play attractive football. Um, and I just hope that whoever we keep on next season, um, it doesn't change the way, we, we play, where we're playing right now because we have some fantastic footballing uh, players. And uh, it, I know he's, we probably need a bit more steel in midfield still, but if we can keep this uh, this momentum up into next season, it'll be fantastic to watch. I don't know that I ever sat through a game this season. I mean, it's since you know since the Rocky start, where I thought we're going to win this game. It was two nothing at halftime, and it just no. I never once doubted that this game was going to end. You know, two nil, three nil, four nil. I'm surprised it didn't in two and three nil or four nil, but yeah, this was this was easily the most complete game that they've had um, in a while, and I've I've never seen them just they looked relaxed. I I think we all felt relaxed watching it. It was a really unique experience. And this is a team we're not playing a team here that um, got nothing to play for. Bristol needs to win this game, and they just didn't turn up. I think. I mean, whereas Norwich, I thought gave a good battle, and we we played them, uh, we, we matched their um, energy levels. Bristol needed to win this game. And they just we just completely outclassed them from start to finish. Uh, there was an early spell in the second half where they kind of huffed and puffed. Um, but other than that, we were just in control from start to finish, and it was it was great. Like I say, there wasn't much going on in the second half, um, but we just played keep ball, and even that's nice to watch when you tune up, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to find the last time. Wednesday had two strikers with 10 or more goals, and the internet does not seem to be particularly helpful. If you know the answer to that, can you tweet us at Owls Americas? Yeah. <laughs> That's our new Google. Just put our followers to work. Yeah. It was also nice to see, uh, although he didn't have much to do, all in all, to see uh, Lazar back in the starting lineup, Patty. Uh, yes. You know what? Um, I really like him. I, I, and there was talks um, last couple of days that uh, we were already in talks with Newcastle to try and uh, to get him at the end of the season, which for me is a must. Uh, he he brings something different to that role, right? He's he's got two good feet. Uh, he's very uh, much. Are you in, suggesting uh, he brings something different to the role than Morgan Fox, Patty? <laughs> Yeah, whenever Morgan Fox has the ball at his feet, I have no idea what's going to happen next. With Lazar, I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. I'm cool. He's uh, he's quick. He can pass the ball. He gets forward. Um, 
he can he takes people on too. He's just an exciting left back, and uh, if we can keep hold of him next season, that's a great um, uh, benefit to us. Um, I don't know what would happen with Palmer or Fox. I, I assume we try and get rid of one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope uh, Bruce can get it over the line and uh, get signed up. Well, he didn't have much to do. Uh, Reach, Bannon, and Hector were standout performers. No surprise there uh, if you followed this season at all. Uh, anybody else you want to single out, Mike? I mean, well, I mean, we can wrap up with just talking about Dawson. There, there was a couple of flurries where Dawson was called in to make some uh, pretty great saves at close range. So, um, other than that, no. Um, again, good all around. So we'll play out the rest of the season, and we'll play out the rest of the podcast, covering the Wednesday news and the upcoming Preston North End game after this. Another round of Wednesday news and a final injury update for 2018-2019. As we mentioned in the Norwich City recap, Hutch left the game, and as there are only two games left, that will be it for uh, Hutch this year. Uh, Steve Bruce has also strongly implied that Kieran Westwood, after picking up the uh, knock in warm-ups in the same game, will also be sitting out the last two games which is you know it's fine um i guess we can have the we talked about this a fair bit last week patty but are you on the resign kieran westwood bandwagon now oh, i'm fully on that bandwagon yeah of course um how can i not uh he's him and hutch has transformed this team um and uh, i'm sure someone will retweet my uh, uh tweet before uh after Yoss got sacked saying that you can't just put Westwood and Hutchinson back in the team it'll solve our problems um, but it has <laughs> um, so, it really uh, did I'll, I'll eat those words up um, so yeah definitely got to sign him back up again uh, he's he's uh, still a great keeper um, he's got probably a couple more years left in him at this level um, and maybe even higher um, so we've got to do our best to, to secure him and it sounds like Bruce is trying to do that too so hopefully we can get that over the line I suppose we are contractually obligated to talk about the playoff picture going into the last two games. This was not my idea. I was planning on ignoring it. Patty? Well, the playoff picture um, obviously isn't looking great for us. What's also not looking Shockingly, great for... leads are fucking useless. <laughs> yeah. What's also not looking great for us is that our horrible Sophie's choice of picking which one out of Leeds and Sheffield United we wanted to go up uh, is uh, being decided by the complete, um, almost uh, inevitability of Leeds falling apart. <laughs> I can't even enjoy... Like the one thing I have to look forward to in these down Wednesday seasons is Leeds utterly bottling it the last couple of months, and I can't even enjoy it this year. But what makes it even more infuriating yeah. is that they played so well against us right. uh, and ended our playoff hopes uh, and then lost to Wigan the week after. That's, oh, which it drives me nuts. Ten-man Wigan and then lost to Brentford away the week after that. So um, absolutely infuriating. It seems to have handed the Blades uh, promotion on a plate. Um, and it's quite honestly um, depressing me. Uh, there's a really good, uh, our friend James um, Manhattan Owl on Twitter um, put out a fantastic James tweet. Alan, who's regularly on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that friend James. You can follow him on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. Uh, his tweet went viral uh, when he uh, spelled it out in all this disgusting uh, horribleness, what this means to uh, the city, um, us, uh, the Blades, um, and it's, it is not an optimistic point of view, but it is a realistic point of view, and you can expect um, James' uh, just usual honesty um, on finances, on the kind of fan base, 
and how far behind this will put us if the blades do, as expected, go up this year uh, ahead of us. So uh, I'm not going to read out verbatim, um, it's, it's James's words, but check out uh, Manhattan Owl and uh, look for his thread on um, the Blades promotion because it is harrowing reading. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it before going to bed. Yes, In happier news, the Player of the Year voting is open for Sheffield Wednesday. So we can talk about the good performers on the blue side of the city, really the only side of the city. Um, this feels to me like a debate between sort of two different philosophies. You know, do you sort of value the the steady Eddie who put in above average but not extraordinary performances over the course of the season, or do you go for uh, sort of more clear impact over a shorter period of time? So. Um, I'm framing it in my mind, and I don't think these are the only two candidates, but I think they sort of represent the two uh, camps, would be Kieran Westwood and Michael Hector. I think both are fantastic nominations. Yeah, you could sub in Fletch for Hector. Uh, Evan's not here, but I'm sure he'd want to put in a shout for Liam Palmer. (laughs) Well, Liam Palmer Uh, goes into the same boat as Westwood, right? So the second half of the season, Palmer's been a great player, but... The first half of the season rules any votes out from Soil and Palmer. <laughs> Unless you were uh, not watching the first half of the season, then you can't say he's the player of the season because the season includes all of the games we play. And uh, certainly Palmer's played a lot of football this year and are only good for half of it. Um, so I'm ruling him out straight away. Uh, Westwood didn't play the first half of the season, so you can't blame him for that. Uh, when he has played, he's changed his season around, as we talked about earlier on. So definitely in with a shout, but if we're talking about player of the season slash player of the year, it's got to be Michael Hector. He's been the most consistent. Uh, he's been, I think, as impactful as Kieran Westwood, but over a longer period of time, so he doesn't necessarily have the... It doesn't really affect the short-term memory of a lot of Wednesdayites. Um, it's, the only thing I think would go against Michael Hector uh, getting your vote is that he's not our player. Um, I think low knees tend to get treated slightly differently. Um, but if you're looking at pure kind of, in my point of view, pure kind of performances week in week out, it's Michael Hector every day of the week. I think I think maybe because he's like a season long loney, he's felt more like a Wednesday player over the course of the season, and he yeah. seems to like sort the, of embrace. Yeah, the, also, as the yeah, I was gonna say as the loney, he's he's done everything right as far as embracing Sheffield and uh, talk about how much he loves being with the Owls, and he also does have that journeyman aspect of his career that i think a lot of wednesday fans have appreciated with with other players we've had so he does kind of fit in kind of fit that mold um he does feel like part of the team but you know if i'm saying player of the year and i think about what a chaotic year it was and what defines this year it you know i'm gonna go back to westwood um as far as being someone who came in and just calmed everything down got us back on track and you just look at all the clean sheets we've racked up um since he's been there uh, to me he's defined what this year was but yeah i can see where you give credit to someone who uh you know has only played half the season i'm gonna give Stephen fletcher a bit of time as well um because i think a lot of people kind of I, I would say i would say undervalued him uh, before the beginning of this season um he's not really set the world alight for wednesday he's shown glimpses of his quality um, I don't think he's given us as much goals as we needed from him well, with all the injuries uh, that we've had. Um, but this season, he's uh, been an absolute like warrior, uh, leading that line like a striker we haven't had in a long, long time. Um, sometimes he's been the only fit striker we've had. Um, and he doesn't just score goals, he creates goals, he brings the team into play. So it's not always about uh, notching... like extra goals up there but the fact he scored 10 goals this year I think at least 10 goals um, really helped him propel him up the kind of ranks in uh, the player voting I think he'll be top three uh, Fletcher um, if there's any justice um, it probably is it's probably my number three after Westwood and and Hector he scored 11 goals by the way for the record um, thank you for me it's always felt like he should he gets enough, I know service 
from Wednesday is not always great, but it feels like he puts himself in the right positions and gets enough opportunities to be like a, a 15 to 20 goal a year guy at this level. And he just in, in a Wednesday shirt, hasn't delivered on that. He just hasn't been quite clinical enough for me. I, I know I've been fairly critical of him on this pod and I think he's fine. Um, I think he's a fine striker. His holdup play is very good. Um, he wins balls in the air. You know, he just isn't quite like it's like just it's like fifteen percent. I think another fifteen is missing fifteen percent um, to really sort of I think make his case here. Um, I'm I just I've long been a fan of Michael Hector's balls, as we know on this show. So. Uh, I gotta, I've got to stick with it. And I just think sort of the overall performance and the effect he had uh, on the the rest of the players in that back four, too. I think Lees especially played some of his best football in recent years next to Hector because he knows Hector can both cover for him but will also, like, come out and, and, and break up the play and step forward. It just makes his job a little bit easier. Um, and I think that's true of, of the fullbacks as well. They know they can can roam a little bit more with, you know, sort of Hector's uh, defensive tactics and his ability to play with the ball at his feet and sort of bring those fullbacks into play or even skip the whole midfield. I think he's just like a, he's a complete center. He's sort of like a modern center back, but still also I think sort of fits the the championship grind. So he's going to be my vote. And I hope they, as I've said before, lock him up long-term this summer. I know both Chelsea and Wednesday could have their own uh, transfer issues that may make uh, that a little bit trickier than it normally would be, but we'll see how that goes. We had two great goals to talk in the first half of the show which means it's about time to start talking about goal of the year we'll probably do this a little bit more in depth next week and and open up the voting and whatnot but uh who's your early favorite patty without doing too much research as we tend not to do on this show (laughs) um i i'm gonna put a pitch in for without going to see you all again what the one that's stuck in my my brain the most is Reach's goal. I think it was I can't remember it was West Brom or Leeds one where it's kind of a half volley like it was going miles over Leeds and it kind of went in top corner and bounced off the post. That to me um, was the trickiest to pull off, the most audacious to pull off, and the most dramatic kind of um, uh, team to score against. So for me, as all the kind of makings of the best goal of the year. My only complaint with that goal, and it's a lovely goal, is I'm still not entirely convinced he meant to do it. <laughs> <laughs> what else would he meant to do? He was like a looping kind of. I just think he. I. I just think he didn't like hit it. Clean. I guess he did hit it cleanly, but like it just what? doesn't like it doesn't look right. It doesn't, it doesn't look, look right. right. It doesn't look right. Like, so you think he was trying to hurt. You're trying to hurt somebody? What do you? Think? <laughs> I know. It just doesn't like look like. Uh, like he's obviously scored. Uh, a bunch of worldies in his time in a Wednesday shirt. And that's like the one that sticks out to me. It's like, I think maybe because it almost feels like, I know it wasn't a shank, but it almost like kind of looks like it because like the keeper doesn't even move. Like nobody on the entire field thinks this is going in. <laughs> even Adam <laughs> Reach, an possibly. <laughs> it's an orthodox. It doesn't look pretty by any means. But when you, if it was someone else, like if it was, um, if it was Liam Palmer scoring that goal, totally didn't mean it. Uh, the fact that it was Aaron Reese scoring that goal definitely meant it. Definitely was audacious. Definitely was unorthodox. But just his confidence was so sky high at that point. Why the fuck not? So that's why it's going for my my vote because I just think it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous goal. How about you, Mike? Uh, Fletcher against Norwich, easily. So, okay, just kidding. No, actually, <laughs> I was going to. I, I would have said the same. Uh, the the Leeds uh, reach against Leeds was fantastic. But I think once we isolate these and see them on a highlight reel, I think people are going to warm up to the uh, fourth theory this weekend. Um, I think people are going to realize how, how hard he hit that. Um, I think it was still going up when it hit the back of the net. It was I think that will probably be it for me. 
Yeah, maybe it's recency bias on my part, but that's the one that sticks with me as well. Just the distance that he's out, the ability to hit with that kind of pace and keep it under the bar. Um, it's just pretty. Like it's it reminds me a little bit of sort of like a classic like Ross Wallace strike, and I've always had a particular affection for for those kind of goals. It's pretty, and also Forest Pierre is a very emotional has a very emotional connection with Wednesday Ice. So uh, I think in a popular vote that will probably beat Reach, but they're all wrong, and you're all wrong. It's it's definitely Reach against Leeds, which is right. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more on this next week. Um, but uh, if you out there have any favorites of your own that perhaps we've overlooked, since we only mentioned two, <laughs> um, it's entirely possible. Uh, send them in to us through any of the usual channels. More happy news. There will be a trophy coming to Hillsborough, or at least to the training ground, Middlewood Road, adjacent <laughs> to Hillsborough, as the under-18s crowned league champions with a 1-1 draw at Sheffield United. pair of penalties one for each side in the second half shared the points and great scene it's always nice to see even as the under 18s a big celebration uh on the field of the crosstown rivals even if it's not the big stadium where they play (laughs) (laughs) it was a great pylon though it was was a great pylon yeah (laughs) there's some flexing flexing flexing. in their spot bras Uh, yeah, and, and it was also, I mean, it's quite interesting how it's turned out its way. I think we had leapfrogged leads as well to to win that on goal difference. Um, so, sweet to do that as well. Um, I didn't realize, though, I was reading the article about it earlier on, and this now means they're going to a playoff game. So, yes, they won the league, but it's in kind of like a U.S. kind of playoff afterwards. Well, they won, yeah, they won the Professional Development League North, and now they have to play. I think it's Ipswich, who was second in the... Regionals. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. They are headed to regionals. Yeah, yeah, it was it's fantastic to see um you know teams get some trophies. Um we all we've heard a few of the people that um have signed contracts with. I think uh, Connor Grant is the one that I've heard the most about um this season. Uh so it's just good to know that we've got a, a great academy coming through and uh I know this uh, Ben Wilkinson's not in charge anymore, he went to Man City, but um uh who's the guy that's doing it now? I know another guy that's doing it now. Who's the under eighteens guy? Oh, I just saw his name like this week obviously because there was a big feature or not a big feature but there's a thing on him on the on the main website all right i'll come back to me later it's going to annoy me for the next few few minutes though um so yeah congratulations to under 18s um hope they get on uh, and beat your switch in the playoff semi-final next there's also apparently a vacancy for head groundsman at uh hillsborough <laughs> So if you think you can help with getting the pitch in a state where Wednesday aren't losing full uh, rosters of 11 players to injury every year, send in your resume, <laughs> please. That is a, a job to nothing, that is, isn't it? It's, it's, you're going to be blamed for everything. No one. You think I've been sacked um, for injuring all our players for the last four years. You um, could be our MVP for next year. <laughs> yeah. All this riddle. Patty, you have a note here that just says EFL Team of the Year. Yeah, I wanted to bitch about the EFL Team of the Year. It's got four teams in it. That's it. There's, there's players from four teams. They've, they've picked out uh, like like th- three Norwich players, three Leeds players, uh, two United players, and two Villa players. Something stupid like that. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. They picked players from four teams. Um, and it just annoys me that United have got two players in there. So yeah, I just wanted to bitch about it. Check it out. EFL Team of the Year. Um, it's it's rubbish. <laughs> Check it out. It's rubbish. It's got two of the... I mean, the it ones... It could be a tagline for this podcast some weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Check us out. <laughs> the amount of research that's going into this piece is ridiculous. But the, the, the two Norwich fullbacks, um, which I the ones I agree with, um, I think the Leeds centre-halves, Grealish from Villa, uh, Tammy Abraham from Villa, um... I think Billy Sharp's gone into it, something stupid like that. It, it's just awful. 
Um, it, it may be like bitter from Blades' promotion push, but it and if you don't do have so enough well. things to be bitter about this week as a Wednesday fan. <laughs> just you had to throw the EFL team of the year in there. <laughs> Uh, it's now time for our Preston North End preview. Uh, this looked like it might be back when we were fantasizing about the run-in. A bit of a playoff decider. Instead, it's uh, two teams on the outside looking in, although Preston has faded more strongly than Wednesday, Patty. I mean, they were one of the form teams in the league up until about uh, five, six games ago. When we did our um, feature on our form, maybe three or four weeks ago, Preston were around fourth or fifth in that same uh, time span, about 12 different games. Um, they had a fantastic season. Um, and I'm sure they won't be too upset um, that it's kind of fading away now. Um, to be seven points off the playoffs as Preston North End, I know I'm being a bit patronizing here. I think that's a, a good haul. Uh, Alex Neal's done fantastically. He's got a new contract, um, but we're kind of playing at the right time because they've had a bad run. They they lost. I think they lost four in a row until uh, they played Ipswich, which obviously um, it's even it's very hard to not win against Ipswich. Um, and then they lost against Wigan again on Monday. So from me, from my point of view, um, this should be a nice win. The only, uh, stickler for me is that Leon Clark plays for. Uh, uh, I know they play for Wigan now, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I just think it's it's going to be easy to um, to push them over. I think they're on the way down, so I'm, I'm, I'm confident of this win. And for the record, if they do beat Preston and Derby and Bristol City draw, Middlesbrough lose to Hull, uh, Reading, Swansea lose to Hull, <laughs> and then Swansea beats Derby, Rotherham beats Middlesbrough, Hull beats Bristol, and West Brom beats Derby. And Wednesday beat QPR. They'll be in the playoffs. That's from uh, at Fatal Grizzly Wait. on Twitter. So you're saying there's a chance? I am. They're not mathematically eliminated. We say I mean, the I, results I, I like to go the, our the, the way. We need say... literally every result in the league to go our way. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this... somebody say that strange. Stranger things have happened. Well, I'd like you to show me the stranger things. If you want to throw in an accumulator <laughs> for fun, there's your ACA. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, as long as it's still mathematically possible, we can but dream, right? And if we beat Preston, I think I think we're going to get into the uh, last game of the season and it's still going to be mathematically possible. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be just as ridiculous. But I think we are going to make it to the last game of the season and it'll still be mathematically possible. Now, I, um, I mentioned last week we're heading on the QPR game and we're going to need to beat QPR by seven. <laughs> to play and have two teams above us lose. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on, I say. A bit of excitement. I'm reliably informed we also have an email this week, Patty. Oh, yeah, we do. And it's from Stephen, our, uh, our only person that emails us. Uh, if you want to email us, <laughs> please do so. We're at, uh, excuse me, alzamericas at gmail.com. Um, with any questions, it can be about anything. And as Stephen has kind of got um, fed up about asking our opinions on Wednesday, uh, clearly because we're not interesting enough, he's asked us some questions about Owls Americas. Um, and I'm not entirely sure I have all Is the answers that- to this. I'm now Who's, looking at it, and I understand why Evan was asking me how many downloads the podcast did earlier this week. And I said I would look it up, and I did not look it up. Well, we've got an average, right? So Stephen's asked a few um, questions about Owls America's how we're doing kind of thing. Um, and I'm fine to answer this, this kind of stuff. Um, so Owls America's has been going for like two years now, right, pretty much? We started the podcast a year and a half ago. We started the whole Owls America's group um, the beginning of the season before last. Um, so Stephen asks, um, how many members do we have? Um, we don't really have memberships, so it's hard to quantify members. We have, uh, uh, email list, which only goes out to like 200 people in the U S. Um, we have, uh, uh, America's forum, which has like 400 people. There's like 1600 followers on Twitter, but obviously they're not all from America. Um, so it's hard to, to kind of gauge how many, uh, Wednesdayites are in, um, the Americas, um, and how many members we have. So we don't have members as such. I think one day, once we've got better ties with the club and the club are more interested, we will have some kind of membership um, and we'll be able to answer that question a bit more uh, accurately. He asks how many states and countries we are in. Um, 
countries uh top of my head where uh, we have fans in brazil we have fans in argentina us obviously canada obviously um any others i've missed guys i don't think there's oh bermuda it's a bermuda country <laughs> is that american country this is where my geography really falls down um Essentially, if you go to alzamericas.com and go to the Find Fans page, you'll see wherever we are. We have supporter groups. Uh, we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 supporter groups. Uh, and we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, uh, 22 city reps. So 12 supporters groups, 22 city reps. Um, and they're all contact details are on the alzamericas.com website. Um, what else did you ask us? You've assimilated oh. well, because apparently you've forgotten that Bermuda is actually a British territory, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to live there. That sounds great. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. How many downloads does the pod get? A bit personal, um, but I don't mind sharing this. We get about 1,200 a week uh, on average, and obviously that goes up and down. But on average, uh, we're trending upwards. I mean, it was lower like... in the first half of the year, because I don't think anybody wanted to hear about Wednesday. <laughs> Right, but we've got a good base of about a thousand listeners a week, and it averages around about twelve hundred, I think, over the course of the season. So, first of all, thanks uh, for listening, guys. Uh, we never expected to get more than like maybe fifty people <laughs> listening to this podcast. Um, the surprisingly, statistically, uh, the ones that do the best are the financial fair play, because uh, clearly everyone's obsessed with our finances. Uh, and obviously James and James and Peter do a fantastic job with that. They get like massive downloads. Um, so again, thanks to the guys for that. Um, I would say my biggest disappointment uh, out of the download stats this year has been the John Harks episode. Why is we had, we had thousands of downloads for that? I have no idea. But um, it was, I would say, above average, which was fantastic. And it was a fantastic interview with John Harks. If you haven't listened to that yet, go and find it out in your podcast app. I think it was around episode four. 40-something, isn't it, Jeff? Sort of 20 episodes ago, maybe. Something around there. Go find the John Harks it's, pin, it's pinned at the top of the SoundCloud page, too. Awesome. So go and download that. Uh, criminally unlistened to. Um, but yeah, overall, we're really happy with how Alzheimer's America is going. We, we, we kind of knew this was a kind of foundational um, uh, step that we, that we need to take as a, a fan base. Uh, but we knew it was always going to be dependent on Wednesday being in the Premier League as far as getting traction in a different country. Um, and that's not happened as quickly as we would have liked. Uh, but we're in it for the long run. Um, so all I can ask from people listening to this is to keep supporting us, uh, spreading the word, converting random strangers and friends in Americas to uh, supporters through whatever means, whether that's naming your uh, youth soccer teams after Sheffield Wednesday, whether it's naming your dogs and pets uh, Wednesday players and telling people about that, whether it's getting your work colleagues to wear Sheffield Wednesday shirts and eat English grubs on the first Wednesday of the month, uh, whether it's converting your fan members who like owls into spotting a <laughs> owls-related soccer team. I don't care how you do it. Just spread the word um, and help us grow even bigger. Patty, where are the pressing meetups for all our many groups and city reps? Uh, this week, we have two. Jeff. Thanks for that wonderful build-up. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have one in New York at uh, the Football Factory um, and one in New Orleans uh, at the Finn McCall's. This has been episode 67 of the Owls AmeriCast. We're on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. And find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download pods. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter, at Cascadia Owl. Mike, give us your official prediction for the thrilling Preston North End game this weekend. I think we're going to see a unique lineup that we're not ready for. and um, Preslav Borakov? Yeah, wouldn't that be? <laughs> wouldn't that be? No, let's, um, oh, let's go 3-1 Wednesday. Goal scorers? 
Uh, let's get Barry Band is going to have two. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. Double is total for the year. <laughs> I know. Well, let's close your mind. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, since you weren't here last week, we'll get you fully caught up. Give us your official 2019-2020 Wednesday kit predictions. <laughs> since you hated this year's kit. I didn't hate this week's kit, did I? You said the away like, kit was bland. Oh, the away kit is dreadful, yeah. Um, uh, I think we will um, get on board the retro bandwagon, which seems to be going pretty well with um, uh, with the various online outlets at the moment. And I think we'll release a yellow and black pinstriped away shirt. There you go. That's my prediction. And the home kit? The home kit will be exactly the same as it is now. Maybe with one slight difference. Maybe the Elevate logo won't be a shitty. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Jeff Federnastro. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>